Welcome to the Monday Mobile Podcast. I am your host, Mark, and with me today are... It's Charles Balka. And David Milne. It is episode 18, and the big elephant in the room is uh, we haven't done these in quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the first half of 2019, in fact. Say, episode 18, episode 1 of 2019. <laughs> uh, I have a very good excuse. Uh, I've been taking care of a newborn, and so I have to just basically spend the rest of my hours feeding and changing and laughing hysterically and whatever newborn parents get to do in a cliched way. I'm sure Charles reads and thinks about it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Nothing but just (laughs) fantasizing about having a small, whiny little mini-me. (laughs) uh that being said uh we will be doing the monday mobile podcast moving forward bi-weekly and just get into the groove of things because uh this podcast is awesome and you know we we gotta we we gotta be the small flicker of light (laughs) in this vast darkness (laughs) that we call free-to-play mobile gaming you know (laughs) All right, so today's episode, we will be recapping um, our feelings and thoughts of the mobile games industry and the free-to-play space uh, that we've seen in the first half of this year. And uh, then we will talk about any industry trends we think that will transpire in the latter half of the year. And finally, we will recap and talk about what mobile games uh, took our fancy in the first half of the year and uh, why those games uh, were titillating. Took our fancy and titillating. <laughs> so, uh, Charles, what's up with the mobile games industry in the first half of the year? What do you, what do, what do you feel about the, the games industry right now? Um, it's more of the same, I think. I don't think we've seen much movement on top of the uh, the charts in terms of grossing. And, uh, you know, the usual players still seem to stick around. There's a couple of new entries, which uh, we've been playing. Um, I think, in general, I'm seeing, from my point of view, in terms of not just charts, but in terms of trends, I think it's, you know, very much the, uh, the year when all the Clash Royale clones... And mechanical clones have come out for good or ill uh, stuff like golf clash uh, risen to the top of the charts and uh, with good cause because that is actually a very good uh, implementation of that loss aversion mechanic and, and a new UI style that clash royale sort of maybe not pioneered but uh, brought to the forefront and uh, yeah i think there's a, a bunch more you know competition out there uh, i've noticed a bit more social casino stuff heading to the top of the charts as well maybe that's just because that's the industry i'm in right now um but yeah i've been i've been still playing a lot of those style of games well games in inverted commas uh those style of activities that are apps that you spin slot machines for a long amount of time and some reason people like it i think what i what i suspect is that the the games industry is opening up quite quite a bit uh i think this has started from last year and the year before that in terms of purely just the age ranges of people playing games has been probably steadily increasing and the the market growth has been 
definitely increasing because of the uh, you know the revenue industry wide has been growing you know year on year and uh, I think with everyone having their phone and everyone you know getting to that 40 to 50 age range in in our population and then you know our parents have smartphones and they're downloading things that interest them probably social stuff or casino stuff I think the uh, the industry is uh, growing a bit let alone uh, incremental games are still doing quite well trailer pop boys is still in the top 50 um and playing a little bit of i am monster and a bunch of other incremental style games that again maybe not specifically games but they open up the uh the market and introduce people into different styles of entertainment they're not used to if they've not been part of a gaming culture before maybe they will now so i think that's basically what i'm seeing and uh yeah what do you think about that uh, Mark, what was the what was the Clash uh, Clash Royale style game that had all the uh, um, like fantasy characters in it? What was that called? Do you remember what I'm talking about? It had like Alice in Wonderland on a motorcycle. Oh yes. Um, uh, was it Fantastic Eight? Something Eight. Fantastic Eight sounds right. Sorry, yeah, Charles, you just mentioned the the you know a lot of other you know clash style of games coming out, um, uh, you know, sort of with their own um, with their own flair or or style or something. And that was one that I thought had uh, um, you know it, it would be entirely recognizable kind of gameplay wise. It, it had sort of a, a a couple differences. You had you know special abilities and stuff that you could. Uh, activate, but I just thought the the style and the UI of that game was uh, was just so cr- crunchy. We always say it's, it's so crunchy, um, but yeah, it was fun just playing playing with the main menu of that game. I, I remember that I, I was playing that for quite a bit at the at the start of the year. Um, yeah, I guess I I guess I kind of agree that uh, I've been seeing been seeing a lot of the incremental or idle games coming up a supermarket tycoon and and um the company that's making that game they've got supermarket tycoon and theme park tycoon um games those are kind of kind of the the big up-and-coming idle games right now i think um yeah sorry i think i interrupted you what were you gonna say i was just wondering what people's thoughts were about idle games i've had some discussions at work where people either feel guilty for playing them or despise them i guess is is the kind of general general tone a lot of the old school or core gamers seem to mislike them but in my point of view i think it's just opening more people up to our industry and i think it's a good thing but i don't think that people stay on them for long i'm not sure they um so from from what we've been seeing, <laughs> based on some research that we've been doing, um, they actually have really good retention numbers. Um, uh, certainly, really, really high, you know, day one to three retention numbers, but even into into day thirty, um, as well. Uh, I so I'm I'm working on an incremental game right now, um, and some some of the reactions that i've seen to it just like showing my friends who would be typically core gamers um 
you know, PC, you know, games almost exclusively, uh, maybe some console as well. Um, some of them I've introduced it to them to our game and kind of other incremental games in general, and there it's either been kind of not like dismissive, but just eh, it's not for me, I guess. Or um, a few of them have actually kind of latched onto it and been like, oh, I've never really uh, played this game before. Katya, for instance, um, it, like you said, it's it's been kind of a um, a a footful, foothold, I mean, for her into the uh, into mobile games in general. She, you know, p- played uh, started playing Idle Golf, which is the game I was working on. Uh, plug. Um, <laughs> Uh, initially just just you know out of support but then she started continuing to play it long uh, much longer than she needed to because she's really enjoying the game and of course she's watching some ads in the game and she's encountering now other mobile games which she's gone on to to download and start playing and so it really has like you say acted as kind of an introduction into um, mobile gaming in general for her interesting yeah I think that that will be continuing on for the next couple of years um, I think there's still some more revolutions to have. Um, I think Trailer Pop Boys did a good job with their ascendancy mechanic, uh, making it incentivized, and uh, they're cranking out a lot of content, and I think people are happy with that game. Um, but I don't see many other games really changing the formula up. Uh, I'm playing a lot of I Am Monster right now, and that's just kind of a incremental kaiju destroying a city kind of game, which I quite enjoy. It's by... Um, Pickpock, and uh, they've kind of sort of done away with the traditional progression and, and added a lot more uh, resources and economies that you know are more aesthetically pleasing, I think, but it's still the general same core loop of upgrade and uh, ascend, uh, it's just sort of a themed a bit better um i'm i'm only an hour or so into it a little bit and uh i not sure if i like it quite so much uh just because of the ui and the uh the weirdness they've done with the progression but i like the aesthetic and uh i'm gonna carry on with it but uh, the other thing i was thinking of was um mark you mentioned about what our thoughts were for the the rest of the year i'm I don't know, I'm not much of a uh, predictor, but my sense is that IP will be way bigger in the future. I say, I think like IP-based games are going to be, you know, there's going to be more money put into them and there's going to be more marketing spend put into them. And I think they'll probably rise through the, the charts a bit, a bit more dramatically than they have previously. That's my general prediction. The lined up for later this year is the... Uh is Call of Duty. It's going to be coming. They have a mobile game coming to coming to mobile uh, later this year. Um, and yeah, I think once you start seeing, you know, typically, you know, AAA developers start developing mobile games, you're going to start seeing more and more of their IPs on, on the mobile platform. Yeah, and it's, you know, the just the business reality of of competing in a free to play space means that uh, the people with the biggest budgets most likely will <laughs> eventually dominate. If people like EA start pulling their finger out and actually competing on this level, uh, yeah, it could change oh, quite a bit. 
uh, EA has the Star Wars license and they've already got a couple of games in there but you know the Star Wars brand is huge and you know the Marvel brand is huge and the Disney brands are huge and there's plenty of space for for more games you know basically doing a Clash Royale style with you know Star Wars characters wouldn't be something I, I <laughs> you know I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet there there was one of those it was a Star Wars Force Arena uh, a, I mean more specifically PvP Clash Royale. Oh yeah, that was one, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's what that was. Why do I think it was like a Heroes Charge clone? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. That was pretty good. It's it's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I I logged on actually just a couple weeks ago to uh try and play it and it, it, it was just like no. You you can't. Really? That's interesting. I didn't yeah. see that game sunset for a while. Is what do you think that would be? Um, not worth the advertising spend. Yeah, that would that would be my guess. Um, certainly, a, a lot of people would have. Like, I bet their day one to three retention numbers were amazing because it's Star Wars, and you see a Star Wars game in the store, uh, and you download it. And I think I I stayed along for the ride um uh probably a lot longer than your average person might um but at its core it was just you know pretty basic just clash clash royale clone um and it had some it had some ui and gameplay issues that because of my love of star wars i think i was a little bit forgiving of but um definitely wouldn't keep uh people in it in large numbers. Um, EA also did a, a Clash Royale style uh, Titanfall game uh, in in an attempt, yeah, in an attempt to get that IP. In. And and again, I mean, I, I guess I just really like those kinds of, of games because I played that for a long time too. But that one's uh, that one's gone now, as well. Gone a while ago. I think it was on a past podcast. I talked about how that game is gone now. <laughs> Yeah, I think those games are pretty hard to do well. I mean, I think some of the aesthetics of Clash Royale really lend themselves to the mechanical uh, clarity of those games. So if you start trying to mix and match different units with very, very similar silhouettes, which I believe Star Wars had, or I know for a fact that Titanfall had very similar. It, yeah, it was It was absolutely an issue with Star Wars. I mean, there's only... There's only so much flair you can add to a stormtrooper to make it not act look like a stormtrooper. You know, your sniper stormtrooper and your rocket stormtrooper and your others, they're all stormtroopers. So um, you you really had to be paying attention to that game um, in order to understand exactly what was going on. And both of both Titanfall and Star Wars were played uh, landscape with, with two hands and were kind of, I think, in, in some ways trying to be a bit more complex than... than or at least add some measure of complexity to Clash Royale, which again was something that I, I appreciated and I liked, but certainly wouldn't be um, something that endears it to a, to a really large crowd, I think. Certainly not like Clash Royale itself. Yeah, the thing about Clash Royale is that, you know, a kid can pick it up pretty easily. And um, with the complexity of some of these plus one Clash Royales, I think, you know, they're a little bit more... They're a little bit trickier to pick up for your ten to to eighteen year olds, I think. Well, I mean, Clash Royale is is you know very simple to play, but 
difficult to master because of all the different units and, and the complexity that comes in the higher tiers of, of, of team play. But then, you know, for example, the Titanfall and the Star Wars games were kind of difficult to learn and difficult to master <laughs> you know, right up front. So... Yeah, yeah. I think the WWE has actually done a good job with their offerings, with uh, their incremental game and their like card game. Um, those are the games I've played. Maybe I played those last year actually, but um, they kind of hit the right note in terms of IP and simplicity, and uh, you know enough complexity to monetize effectively. But um, yeah, I can't remember exactly what those games are called, but I just remember playing the incremental card game where you're um, basically creating a set of cards that are essentially uh, your wrestlers and you can you know collect all the the famous people and and uh, level them up and stuff and it was it was pretty interesting it was uh again kind of in an incremental in an incremental game very you know very part of the core core loop of upgrading ascending but it was really good ui and you could speed through it really really easily which a lot of incremental games seem to get wrong as far as i can tell i mean this i am monster game that i'm playing is little bit part and parcel of that um, but there's other ones I've seen as well that just mess up the user experience uh, in a very egregious way you kind of get to the point where it's I think UX is probably a limiting factor in, in these games um, I'm not sure I haven't done the research about that but I just get a sense of it personally as an anecdote it's just trying to get through leveling up something so many times you really need that to be completely seamless and uh yeah, most of them seem to suffer. Um, yeah, Mark, we're we're twenty minutes in. We haven't heard from you yet. Well, because you guys are discussing about yeah. all that stuff. You're just silently disagreeing with everything I've said. <laughs> I can just <laughs> oh, of course, see him of leaning course. back and shaking his head slowly as he listens to us talk <laughs> about this. These rubes, they know nothing. <laughs> so, um. My current assessment of the mobile game market in the beginning of 2019 is that, yeah, we do see the familiar faces, like you said, Charles, in the top charts for top grossing. You know, we still have Pokemon Go, we still have Candy Crush, we got Clash Royale. I mean, Clash of Clans, you just got to hand it to how old that game is, yet they're just always on top. It just speaks volumes to their staying power. And uh, I've got a theory on why Clash Royale games, like, there's been a lot of Clash Royale clones being released in the past year or so, and you don't see any of them around anymore uh, in the top charts. And I think it's not even a matter of trying to hit a different demographic of Clash Royale people, but the people who care about Clash Royale as a toy, maybe they just don't have time or don't care enough to put their time and money elsewhere at this point so maybe there is something to be said about not making a clash royale clone anymore you know what i mean like we've got we've gotten so many ips going at it we got the star wars one we got a very well polished warhammer one um and all of those just disappeared um, and even the Fantastic Eight were, uh, whichever one uh, that was made by uh, the, I think it was a Japanese or Korean developer that made it. 
that just was a flash in the pan. And I think it's just because the Clash Royale demographic just plays Clash Royale. I, I, I am very, very skeptical on creating another Clash Royale currently in this market. Um, and the newcomers we see in the top charts, uh, I think, you know, we, there's lots of iterations of these idle games like you guys were talking about in the early half. And uh, I think core gamers are, you know, starting to figure out like, oh, these idle games are actually really polished now. They're not just, you know, cookie cutter, uh, cookie, um, shit, what was it? Cookie cut? Uh, cookie clickers on a uh, browser or the, you know, uh, idle clicker or idle heroes. And uh, these are actually well-made, polished idle games that tug on people's progression at its core. And so it's interesting, though, that a lot of these idle games are coming out. Most of them feel like a flash in the pan because they're not charting. Um, even in the um, downloads, free downloads charts, they don't stay up there very long. All of these, you know, all the, if I'm looking at Google Play Canada right now, almost every single top chart for free download games are IO games from Voodoo. And, uh, you know, either a really strong push of UA, uh, looking at um, Nexon's currently newly launched game Durango Wildlands, which I think we definitely should try out. Because that's like a survival MMO sort of game that they created, which is very interesting to think about coming from uh, Nexon itself. And it's getting great reviews. It's charting. It's doing great. Um, but yeah, even in the download section, we got Idle Miner Tycoon like all the way down in number 20. And it's not anywhere in terms of grossing. So like, if you look at the grossing, it's mostly core RPGs and mid-core and hardcore audiences that are spending money, or you get the match three crowd, which you could argue is, I would argue a match three hardcore mid-core audience isn't the same general mid-core hardcore audience anymore, because you got moms and you got, you know, non-gamers just playing match three games and spending money on them, but they don't spend money on any other game. In the, in the industry so that I think I, I think it's time we just put that bucket in its own thing because generalizing midcore and hardcore audiences I think is definitely missing the point on the uh, match tree candy crush audience that most you know developers are trying to dig into and um, my prediction of the inevitability of midcore getting greater in terms of RPGs and grossing is just becoming more and more relevant because you see that like Epic 7 now is top 20. Summoners were still, you know, top 20 always. And that game's been around forever. And uh, yeah, and you also see some core MMORPGs like Ragnarok M that came out this year is charting top top 25. Uh, they're doing very well. You know, Netmarble uh, Future Fight with Marvel has been chugging along and they've actually started monetizing better with their audience and increasing those LTVs to get up there. Langrisser just came out and it's top 50. Uh, Raid Shadow Legends, um, we could like 
probably do a whole podcast on how Raid Shadow Legends is basically a Western aesthetic over the hero collector, summoner's war type of economy, uh, anime, RPG, hero collectors. Uh, and they put a Western aesthetic on it and they're doing a great UA push and they they succeeded in grabbing that target audience. Um, and so... Uh, one specific game that stands out, I think, is AFK Arena, which came out this year. And they blended the idle mechanic of passive progression with uh, core RPG. And now they're top 10 uh, in the charts, and they're getting a lot of downloads. I personally don't like the aesthetic itself, so I actually played the poor man's version, Aurora Legends, which is more anime. But it has all those spinning dishes and uh, spinning plates, and it's basically an idle game with RPG elements in it, and it's doing very well. So that might be something uh, of a gap where, you know, a place where you can put out a new game and sort of eke out this new audience. And so to me, that's where the industry currently stands is, you know, if you want to make... if you want to get a lot of downloads and be a flash in the pan, you make an idol or you make an IO game. If you're going to be in the top grossing charts, you have to either cater to the match tree mid-core hardcore audience or cater to the RPG hero collectors, you know, mid-core hardcore audience. I think going the Clash Royale clone route is now proven wrong because, you know, that's the only thing that's standing. And sure, you can make another Game of War or Clash of Clans, but that is also going to be very difficult to take those people away from the, from those games. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of new MMORPGs that are growing. I'm not sure if the demographic can support all of these MMORPGs. And, you know, MMORPGs have been sort of on a down decline uh in pc like we haven't seen the next greatest you know world of warcraft in its heyday sort of thing with you know guild wars 2 and whatnot it's sort of died down besides final fantasy 14 so it's sort of interesting maybe it might go with the flow with uh the pc mmorpg where there's a ton of random korean mmos coming out on mobile and then we get a quintessential World of Warcraft uh, experience on there. Well, it could be that uh, you're right in terms of the Clash Royale analogy you put before, right? Like, if people are playing Clash Royale, they don't want another one. If people are playing World of Warcraft, we proved over the last decade or so, they don't play anything else either. So, um, yeah, I'm interested in seeing... Well, I mean, point one... The amount of money you need to spend up front on one of these MMOs is 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 quite insane. So I can see why a lot of companies are are going for the smaller incremental games and stuff like that. But I'm I'm interested to see what happens when the big AAA players start flexing their muscles with the uh, the newer phones and uh, getting rid of the older phones on the on the blacklists and then starting to put more AAA experiences out there. I mean, there's the yeah, I agree. There's the Harry Potter game that's going to come out soon, right? The the uh, Pokemon Go, but Harry Potter stuff. That's probably going to be a 
huge AAA experience, right? Um, I mean, I think Pokemon Go, the aesthetic tied so well to AR that it makes sense. I don't think you can easily translate that aesthetic on AR, you know, organically when it comes to anything else. You don't think the Fandast- Fantastic um, Beasts IP is uh, going to work? I mean, we've had Glue take a stab at a Harry Potter game, and it was fine, <laughs> and it had new content, but I I don't think the IP itself won it over, you know what I mean? I I think it's right on the head what you what you said about uh, what's going to happen is we're going to see more IPs come through because more and more companies are finally getting to know that you can make millions of dollars a day on the mobile store. Holy shit, we should get on that. <laughs> and uh, I also think AAA developers are like we're going to put our foot on the ground let because our core audience for AAA games don't want to see microtransactions we should make a straight dichotomy between um, our AAA games for consoles and if we want our cake and eat it too let's start putting a shit ton of money on core mobile experiences right you don't get the negative flack from your console people if you keep giving them what they want every year but they have so much resources that they could pour all that into creating these mid-core and hardcore games that have a huge upfront cost, but they know they'll make that money back so much easier than they could shipping out a AAA console title. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, especially what happened last year with Diablo. You know, I think we're going to see that more and more with Bethesda, you know, already addicted to free-to-play. EA already addicted to it. Ubisoft not far behind and then you know basically every uh AAA game that has any kind of spare what's the word design space suddenly has microtransactions in it or something uh you know similar to it like even tomb raider has it you know you you got you got this point where they're where they're just trying to squeeze every last dime out of out of that market and uh well they're they're trending back from that because of how terribly their games are doing now because they try to inject microtransactions to their core game experiences, right? Like yeah, but EA but... EA is releasing a single player only Star Wars game this fall because they fucked up so much. <laughs> well, you know that, that right? that's the other thing. It's like they're they're doing that with the left hand, and then with the right hand they're releasing more they're going to be releasing more and more fifa mobile free-to-play games i'm i'm sure there's there's going to be a madden mobile game on the horizon i'm i'm positive no no and and that that's what yeah. i mean they're they're going to make a separate oh, yeah. publishing branch yeah, yeah. that has no baggage from their core audience to do other games they need to build microtransaction games from the foundation up rather than tacking my microtransactions to their core games on top of it. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I'm really surprised. I mean, I think it's only maybe a couple of fighting games that came out last couple of years that were experimented with the $20 model with uh, microtransactions and they seem to get a, get away with it, right? Like I think it was like Killer Instinct or um uh, Well, Mortal Kombat 11 came out last month and they did not get away with no, it. No, they didn't. No, that's 
I mean, I think that's bullshit. I think if you're paying premium, you should get premium and then, you know, you should get a couple of free DLCs and maybe if it's a huge DLC, you should pay for it. But um, I think the kind of shoehorning in of these free-to-play mechanics into premium is definitely a wrong step. I think that eventually they'll the marketing departments of these companies will figure it out. Um, you know, I've been on the ground with some of these people in the marketing departments, especially EEA, and they just don't get it. Like, they they don't. And it'll take a long time, maybe another couple of years before uh, they actually release a AAA game for free. Um, just include microtransactions. Mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, it's going to happen. It's either going to be release it for free or it's going to be, you know, release it on some kind of, uh, you know, subscription service or something. But it's going to happen. And um, I'm not sure what the public's going to think in the out on the outset but eventually i think software as a service will probably dominate a lot of these a lot of these areas yeah i I think there's always going to be a core experience that gamers flock to you saw that like when god of war came out it was such a big deal because people are so tired of all these you know quote-unquote premium games uh that is supposed to give you a core single-player experience I think there's always going to be a market for core single player experiences with no, you know, games as a service attached to them. I think that for the sake of the brand names of these core, you know, old game companies, they need to continue making those. Or, you know, just cut off, just do the the lobotomy now. But I I can guarantee you, (laughs) I can guarantee you we need to go through it. We need to churn through a bunch of old school game designers that are, you know, hate designing their way through these microtransaction, you know, fueled projects and then actually get people who understand uh, free to play games to start working at these old traditional, you know, companies. Well, I'll say it's not just the designers that have to do it. It's also, you know, I've been on the ground for a long time working with developers and if your developer doesn't like it he's going to do a shitty job of whatever you're trying to design that's a a microtransaction or you know I've worked with developers who hate the idea of sending telemetry about what people are doing they're just like yeah this is a waste of people's data plans let's not do it and uh, yeah it can be hard to it can be costly to develop with with the wrong team and uh, that's going to take a while to, to sort of sink into the industry, but it's already happening. I mean, we're already seeing a lot of uh, games being created by junior teams that seem to be able to make, you know, the same, if not more money than, uh, you know, AAA games do. So it's interesting. I think it'll be very scary for current mobile game developers once AAA developers get their you know ducks in a line and start cranking out you know super high polished games that chart immediately because you need a lot of money not only for the ua spend but for that talent and for that investment of polish uh it's gonna it's gonna come to a point where you can't compete against them with ua spend and you can't compete against them with the number of employees and polish they have what like there there'll be no bastion for you to stand on after a while well i think it'll be you know there'll be a balance because i think the re- one of the reasons why these star wars games these clash royale star wars games died is because the burn rate of their teams was just so high 
and uh, you know it's you know I think there's going to be some kind of correct correction within the next year and or two years in terms of as as you said correctly um, you know these big IPs are going to be AAA. They're going to be only available on the latest phones with all the latest gadgetry of those phones. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, a big shift, I think. I'm, you know, it, it, Think yeah. about it this way. Like, what if um, instead of making the next big AAA game that costs, you know, three full years of production, they decided to put three full production years with 350 developers to make the next best free-to-play mobile game i would love to see that i'd love to be on that team (laughs) (laughs) right it's gonna be and and not only that they have the biggest ips on board for that game like i i if you're talking a budget of 50 million dollars a year for a triple a game then you've spent 150 million dollars on (laughs) on it (laughs) i mean not counting marketing no, actually, counting marketing, I think, like, so, yeah. So, say you spent twenty-five million dollars, maybe th- let's say thirty million dollars a year. So you spend ninety million dollars on the Clash Royale killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't think we develop like that anymore. I think we would we would still develop it in a year and then do a soft launch and then, you know, plan for the you know, it's like the Destiny ten year plan or the uh, Anthem ten year plan. It's all just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah great, but great what idea. I mean is, like, that three years, you're actually making content for the next three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I just don't I mean? think yeah, you... You're not going to make it for three years, then ship. That's what I'm saying. But... That would blow AAA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but... <laughs> you never know. I think it's fun to think about it theoretically. I, th- I think some companies would do it, yeah. <laughs> Go through uh, fifteen producer changes. Yep. Change, change the um, engine. Uh, fire the designers because they don't know how to monetize. <laughs> okay, well, um, that took a lot longer than we expected. Um, I think we could talk about games that we're playing for another episode. Um, I definitely want to do a dive on AFK Arena. Because I think it's interesting to see an idle gameplay take mid-core RPG mechanics and see how they and be successful at it. So that's always interesting. Um, I think we should look into an MMO uh, because you know those are on the rise. So choosing an MMO to sink our teeth into and figuring out if we can see MMOs work in the mobile games uh, market would be interesting. I think. And, uh, yeah, unless you guys have anything else to add. Nope. Okay. Well, um, that concludes our first episode of 2019, five months later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we will see you guys on the next Monday Mobile Podcast. I, I, I even forgot the name. It's been that long. Alright, bye. See ya. Bye.